Hey, how's everybody doing? And welcome back to 125 Unfiltered. I'm just going to jump straight into it. What a weekend of sports. Hope everyone's having a fantastic Monday so far, but I'm here to talk about the two really good games over the weekend. First off, how about them Tar Heels beating Duke on Saturday night, 91-87. Great, great win for the Tar Heels. And then last night, a surprising one. Tampa Bay beating the Chiefs 31-9. They didn't just win, they dominated all game long, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get into both games right now. I'm not gonna waste any of your time. Same structure as last episode. First 10 minutes, UNC Duke, last 10 minutes, Super Bowl. Here we go. Like I said, UNC beats Duke 91-87. Led the way by freshman point guard, Caleb Love. He's been struggling all season, such an up and down season, high expectations. And he had the game of his career so far. 25 points, 7 assists. He did have 5 turnovers. That's okay. He was 9 of 16 from the field. 4 of 5 from 3 point range. He was aggressive. He was looking to score. And he gave Carolina the lift that we needed in order to take down the Blue Devils in Cameron. Baycott trailed Love as the next best score. 16 points, 6 rebounds. He was 6 of 12 from the field. And then really consistent scoring from there. Uh, we had six guys in double figures. Kerwin Walton, he had four threes, four four for 12 points. Leaky Black was also four four with 12 points. Made two, or made the last three free throws, went three of four at the end there to seal the deal for the Tar Heels. Dayron Sharp, 11 points, five for five. And then Garrison Brooks had 12 as well. Six rebounds, four assists on five of nine shooting. So again, six players in double figures for the Tar Heels. That's exactly what we want. That's really level scoring. But once again, Caleb Love. Very proud of that guy. He had a fantastic game. We'll get more into him later. As for the Blue Devils, Jeremy Roach led the way for them with 16 points. Jalen Johnson, 14 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists. And then the biggest score story for Duke, Matthew Hurt only had 7 points. Maybe an even more surprising stat. He only had 6 shots. Now why is that? He only played 21 minutes. He was in foul trouble all game. He eventually fouled out of the game with around four minutes left. And that you have to give credit to the Tar Heel Bigs, Garrison Brooks, Baycott, and those guys down there because they made his life hard. He wasn't even getting good shot looks. He wasn't even getting touches. Because of our defense, we just completely took him out of the game. That's exactly what we needed to do to get the win. Three big stats I always like to talk about. Three-point percentage um, turnovers. Man, I might be forgetting the other one. Uh, it has been a while since I have podcasted, but, you know, 10 of 15 from three-point range, that's just awesome. We'll take that any day of the week. Any day of the week. And as my mind just realizes what the third stat is, it is free-throw percentage. We were only 13 of 22 that's a little bit of concern, but Leakey hit the 3 of 4 at the end of the game to seal it. And then 16 turnovers compared to Duke's 15 turnovers. Not great. We want to still reduce those. Again, Caleb Love had 5. Aside from that, best game of his college career so far. We were plus 7 rebounding, 53% from the field as a whole. Offensively, just an all-around really, really good game for the Tar Heels. And again, I mean 67% from 3-point range. Kerwin Walton hit four threes, all of them, he didn't miss. Caleb Love was four or five. I mean, these guards, these freshman guards, especially Love and Walton, they really showed up. And that's exactly what we needed. 
Now I'm going to talk about Caleb Love a little bit more in depth. Number 18, number uh, ranked 18th in the ESPN Top 100, five-star recruit coming to Carolina. Apparently, I didn't even know this, but Duke was looking at him and didn't offer. Maybe a bit of a revenge game for him. Had a little more to play for than just the rivalry, which is all good for me. He played fantastic. But anyways, he comes into the season. Struggles from the field. Struggles from a point guard perspective. Wasn't managing the game well enough. Didn't look confident. Didn't look comfortable. At one point, people were calling for him to get benched. Put in Leaky at point. I even said, let's try Leaky at point guard. Thank goodness he, uh, Roy did not switch it up. Roy saw something in Caleb that we didn't, whether it was in practice, whether it was after every game when he's shooting for an hour in an empty gym because he wants to get better. This guy has the drive, he's committed, he has worked hard, and he earns every single ounce of respect that he gets for that win. It's not just the fact that he scored 25 points and had seven assists, it's the way he did it. Very comfortable passing. Aside from the last two minutes of the game when Goldwire really pressed up on him. He had the alley-oop to Baycott. He's taking step back, mid-range shots, comfortably, shooting threes with no hesitation, getting to the rim. That's what we love to see from Caleb. We need more of that. And if he can keep playing like that, he obviously won't play that well every game because, man, what a performance. But if he keeps playing at this high level, which he has been recently for the most part, who knows where this team can go in March Madness. Again, first we have to make the tournament, but I really, really was encouraged from what I saw from Caleb and it impacted everyone else. Look at the bigs. Baycott with 16, Brooks with 12, Sharp with 11. That's 39 points from your three-star big men. That's really good and efficient too. Everyone shot above 50% out of the three bigs. Why is that? Caleb Love took charge up from a guard standpoint, drew some attention, got the ball to the bigs enough to let them go to work. At the start of the game, Garrison Brooks did a really, really good job setting the tone. I'm pretty sure he scored 10 points in the first part of the first half. He only finished, again, only finished with 12, but him setting the tone along with Kerwin Walton hitting three threes in the first half off of really well-designed plays, set the tone for the Tar Heels. Our intensity was high. We came out of the gates firing on all cylinders until Duke went on a little run uh, to really make the game close at the end of the first half. But we were up 10, eight points for, for a good amount of the first half. That's exactly what we needed. That's why we lost against Clemson. That's why we beat Duke. We have to start fast. And Garrison Brooks is and was a huge, huge reason for doing that against Duke and will be for the rest of the season. He's the senior leader. And he really led by example because I feel like, you know, he eased the tension for some of these young freshmen. It's their first game against Duke. Garrison's been there before. And man, I really love the way he started and how aggressive he was from an offensive standpoint. Now, I did miss with my X-Factor pick. R.J. Davis only had, or he didn't score at all. He was 0 for 5. But that was made up with Caleb. And, you know, Leakey, he was in foul trouble for much of the game. He de deserves a lot of credit. Knocked down those free throws, played good defense with four fouls. Him and Caleb forced the Wendell Moore travel when we were only up 89-87. That bucket would have sent it to overtime. There's no scoring after that. But overall, it's just a great team win. Beating the Blue Devils, there's nothing better than that. 
you know, Tar Heel fans excited. Uh, obviously, you know, this isn't the podcast to be talking about whether rushing Franklin was a good idea or not. You know, but anyways, I mean, just being here on campus and just hearing everyone just celebrate, you know, yell with joy. It was, it was just a really, really good feeling as a Tar Heel student and fan. Hopefully we feel again when we play them March 6th. Besides that, I feel like that's all I really have to say about the Duke game. Just really just want to harp again on Caleb Love's excellence because I feel like he has arrived. If this Caleb Love is here to stay, watch out ACC. Watch out Virginia, Florida State. If he plays at this level, we got something good going on here. I'm very, very, very happy. that It seems like we have our point guard. I don't know if Caleb's going to stay. I hope he does. But if he stays for a year or two, he's going to be really, really good. And he gave a good glimpse at his star potential Saturday night. Yeah, that's that's really all I have to say about the game. Um, it did happen a couple days ago, so it's not as fresh as the Super Bowl is. But UNC was supposed to play Miami tonight. That game actually just got postponed about 10, 20 minutes ago. Good thing I got that notification on my phone before I started recording. But it looks like our next game is going to be, I believe, against Louisville or Virginia. I'd have to check the schedule. But as I transitioned into the Super Bowl section last time, UNC, great, great win. Very excited after the game. And, you know, we're just going to keep, we're going to keep pushing on because we are not done yet. So I'll be back in a couple of moments to talk about the Super Bowl. Stay tuned. All right, welcome back to 125 Unfiltered. Super Bowl last night, a stunner. 31 to nine, Bucks beating the Chiefs. Now, was I aware that the Bucks could have beaten the Chiefs? Absolutely, it's Tom Brady. That's a really high powered offense. But in that fashion, oh my goodness. That defense was unreal first guy I'm going to give credit to is Todd Bowles that was the best defensive game plan I have seen in a long time for those of you who don't really understand what I mean by that or exactly what they did let me dissect a little bit of this for you let's go back to week 12 first first time they played Kansas City this year that's when Tyreek Hill had 200 yards and a quarter a big reason for that is because they didn't shadow over the top. They left Carlton Davis, who's a really good corner, really good young corner, left him, left him on an island with Tyreek Hill because Tyreek Hill is the fastest player in the league. He burned him multiple times for two deep shots. So what does Todd Bowles do? He plays two deep safeties all game long. If you look at some of the replays, those safeties are always moving backwards at the start of the play. Nothing deep is probably what they were told. No big play touchdown for Tyreek Hill or Demarcus Robinson. Because those quick hitters is why Kansas City is so lethal on offense. And because of that game plan, the safeties who did a phenomenal job, Winfield, he had an interception, he played really well. That was a huge part in it. Another big part, they got pressure on Mahomes. And they didn't even blitz. They just rushed four. The poor offensive line, poor Patrick Mahomes... Man, he was running around a lot. Saw a stat 497 yards scrambling before he threw the ball. That's insane. 
I, I mean, I said last episode, Eric Fisher, left tackle, out with an Achilles injury, did not think was going to impact the game that much. Mike Remmers was getting destroyed by Jason Pierre-Paul and Vita Vea. Shaq Barrett was just a menace up front. Just complete domination on the offensive line, or at the line of scrimmage, for both sides of the ball for Tampa Bay. Again, they got pressure with four. They made Mahomes scramble. Routes couldn't even develop before Mahomes was running for his life like a chicken with his head cut off back there because of that pressure. And again, you have to give credit to the defensive line of Tampa and Todd Bowles. And then lastly, the linebackers. I did hit on this. X-Factor said the linebackers in secondary had to cover, couldn't allow anything deep, couldn't allow them or the Chiefs to open the game up really early. Dev, uh, Levante David, Devin White, they kept everything in front of them. You know, this entire defense, they said nothing deep. You can chip away at us. You can run for five yards, a scramble, Patrick Mahomes. You can throw a, th a four-yard dump pass to Darrell Williams, Mahomes. You're not going to hit us with anything deep. They even allowed Travis Kelsey to get 10, 15-yard passes in the middle. They just said, you are not going to beat us with one play. And that mentality and how that defense played last night is why they won the game the way they did. You know, I was watching the game. I said, dang, Devin White could have been a giant. We were one pick too late. It's the draft we got Daniel Jones. Devin White was fifth. Jones was sixth. I wanted Devin White so badly. And, I mean, he showed me why I wanted him. He was phenomenal last night. He's a great young linebacker. Him and David really containing uh, Kelsey as much as they could. Run game, aside from a couple Edward Hilaire runs, not very good for Kansas City. There's a lot of scramble yards from Mahomes. But that defense, what a game. Secondary played really well. They were so physical up front, so physical within the first five yards. And after that, they backed off. They said, all right, we're going to get you out of the line, let our defensive line do the work. And before they could even get a release, defense was in the back of the, was in the backfield getting at Mahomes. He was running for his life all night. No routes could develop. Chiefs had no answer to Todd Bowles. And we can, you know, Tom Brady, seven rings, obviously the GOAT. We're going to give him the credit because he played a very efficient game offensively, 29 of 20, or 21 of 29, 201 yards, three touchdowns, very good game from Brady. But for me, in my eyes, this game was mainly won by the defense and how they played and the strategy that was implemented by Todd Bowles. And another reason why Tampa won, we're going to go with the, back to the off or switch to the offensive side of the ball. They ran the ball really well. Five yards per carry between Ronald Jones and playoff Lenny or Leonard Fournette. You know, Tom Brady only two for 201 yards. Fournette ran for 80, 89 yards in a touchdown. Jones ran for 61 yards. Their game plan, and this is what I said, Tampa Bay was going to come out and keep Mahomes off the field. They had to run the football efficiently to set up play action. You know, Mike Evans had a nice 30-yard uh, reception. Actually, his only catch of the night. Gronkowski was a huge difference maker with his two touchdowns. But it's all predicated on the run. Without the run game, Tampa Bay, they set the tone. Play defense, run the football. That's exactly what they did.
So those running backs deserve a lot of credit. The offensive line deserves a lot of credit because later in the game, when that Kansas City defense was getting tired and frustrated, they stayed physical. And those running backs just kept pounding the ball, five yards, six yards, a run. Just an all-around beatdown. Kansas City, they'll be back. But the Bucks, what a run in the playoffs. Going through three Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Breeze, then Rodgers, now Mahomes. And just to talk about Tom Brady a little bit, I was a Tom Brady hater in New England, did not like the Patriots, and that's even with my Giants beating them twice in Super Bowls. Eli Manning, you know, helmet catch, Mario Manningham sideline catch, I remember all of it. But seeing him do what he did in Tampa this year, remember COVID really prevented any sort of training camp, practicing at high school fields. Apparently they got kicked off several times. New system after 20 years in New England with Bill Belichick. Some struggles early on. Couldn't get the offense to click. But I said towards the end of the season, I said it in my playoff um, episode where I predicted that the Bucks would make the Super Bowl, not win it, like the way, especially the way they did, but knew they were going to go far. I said this offense is clicking. They got some easy teams to really work it in. They got their bye week late in the season to figure some things out. And all of this, all the conflicts with COVID, you know, just positive tests in and out. It was a hard season for everyone. But Brady did all of this with a new team in his first season. Round of applause to him. He is the greatest quarterback of all time. He already was after six. I said that after six. But after seven, there is no doubt in my mind that Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback or the greatest player in the NFL of all time. And again, he didn't have to be heroic. He didn't have to pull some magic out of his hat like he normally has to for a game-winning drive. He just played a very clean, efficient game. No turnovers, only eight incompletions. Had a really three really nice touchdowns, two to Gronk, one to Antonio Brown. And I said last night when I was watching with my friends, this I feel like was the first Super Bowl where a Tom Brady hater couldn't say a thing, could not say a single thing about Brady's about Brady's win this time. You know, you could always say like, oh, but there's the flake gate. And Vinatieri kicked the field goal to win it. Or the Falcons don't know how to run out a clock. But this is the first Super Bowl where Brady deserves all the credit in the world. Well, on his side, obviously, taking out the defense. But, you know, this was this was a clean win. You know, people are going to get on the refs because they made some questionable calls. And, yeah, they did. But it didn't really impact the game that much at the end of the day. But, wow, what a stunner. I was shocked. That defense was big time. Shut down Mahomes and the Chiefs' offense. Andy Reid had no answers. Steve Spagnuolo defensively had no answers. And just la lastly, Tyron Matthew, fantastic player. You do not poke at the bear. Tom Brady was drawn back at Tyron Matthew, and he lit him up in the first half. Lit him up. And that's all that. That's all that she wrote. That's the end of the of the NFL season. Tampa Bay taking home the Super Bowl in their own stadium, 31 to nine. No, I, I still thought it was a very good game. Obviously not down to the wire like I thought it would be. Didn't get to see, 
you know, the, the late game heroics. But hey, you can thank that Tampa Bay defense for that. You know, pretty good halftime show with the weekend, you know. I don't know how many weekend listeners are out there. I listen. Thought the music was very good. You know, and that, that'll cap off the season. And that'll cap off, for now, the NFL content. Unless there's a big trade that kind of pops up. I missed the Matthew Stafford trade with uh, him going to L.A. That'll cap off the NFL content for a while, probably until the NFL draft. But I have to say, going through the playoffs, it's been a lot of fun. I know I missed some time. But talking about the Super Bowl, giving my playoff bracket prediction. No, definitely really enjoyed that. And, you know, we still got some of that with March Madness coming up and the NBA Finals during June or July depending on uh, when that is with the new COVID season. That's really it. That's all I've got for you today. Around the 20-minute mark, exactly what I was aiming for. But nonetheless, thank you so much for watching, or watching. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of 125 Unfiltered. I will get you an episode in the next couple of days. I'll have to see what pops up in the sports world. Nevertheless, thank you again, and I'll talk to you next time.